The part of you that's drawn to the goodness and holiness of God is God in you. It's like the magnet of God is drawn to the holiness of God. He's drawing you toward that. So you're not on your own. You're not being asked to perform or to perfect or to, to, to strive or to prove who you are in Christ. You're just living into who you already are in Christ. And there is some holy work that we do in order to do that. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I am your host and coach, Bible teacher, pastor, Nicole Eunice. More than anything, I am a fellow student of God's Word and excited to discover with you what God has for us in this episode. So we are in a series called Abundantly Free, and we are looking at the book of Philippians. This is based on an offering that we have put together for you coming out of my book, Help My Bible is Alive. I had a lot of you readers who were excited about the Alive Method that we're going to use today, but you wanted some additional encouragement. So we put together a 30-day all-digital journey that you can find on my website, NicoleEunice.com. And there, there is an opportunity for you to walk through the book of both Ephesians and Philippians with a reading guide, a group discussion guide, and personal videos from me that are dropped in your inbox twice a week to keep you on track and to keep you moving forward in your devotion to God's Word and your experience of God through His Word. So that is an offering for you that I hope you'll check out. I think it can be really helpful, especially if you are enjoying this series in Philippians. So this is going to be a very kind of overview, like I'm just taking a couple of verses and we're just digging out the goodness from those verses, but obviously there's so much more in this letter. Last episode, I gave you a little bit of context for Paul and who he's writing to and why he's writing. And we looked at chapter one at this idea of Paul's personal experience with Jesus Christ being where he starts his letter and that in that we can sort of glean that God is always calling us to a personal experience with him, that that our understanding of him, that our encouragement to other people, that our purpose in the world, that our way of like engaging with growth is going to come out of a personal experience with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it's it's only when we understand that we have been saved by grace. It is by grace we've been saved, not by works. It's only when we've experienced that in his goodness and in his mercy and in his kindness, God has reached out to us when we could not reach out ourselves, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that we can have access to our Heavenly Father through the work and the life of Jesus Christ. And because of that, because of that personal experience, everything else flows out of that. And Paul is no different. That is that is how Paul sets up this letter to this church, this little movement of new believers. Um, in, it would be called the way at the time as they're beginning to follow Jesus Christ. And so he's done that in the first chapter. And in the second chapter, he starts with one of my very favorite Bible words that I always love to point out. And this is the beginning of chapter two, and the word is therefore. And I don't think we use therefore that much, but I think we all know kind of what it means. Therefore is a connecting word. It says, because of everything that I have said before this word, you can apply everything that I've said after this word. And that is really important for us to make those connections and make those links so that we're not reading scripture out of context. We're understanding what connects to what. And in chapter two, Paul starts with this big Bible word, therefore. So he's saying, okay, listen, 
I'm going to connect some thoughts for you. And the connections are going to be because of your encouragement that comes from being united with Christ, verse 1, because of your comfort from his love, verse 1, because of your common sharing in the spirit, because of your tenderness and compassion, because of that, then... So verse two says then, so now we're getting the connection, therefore then. So because of everything that comes out of a relationship with Jesus Christ, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. So we're beginning to see that Paul is now going to connect the experience of our salvation with the outworking of our salvation, the experience of the grace of Jesus Christ with the actual outside actions that that's going to look like in our life. Our faith is not static. Although we have been justified by faith, meaning that God has done all the work for us to come back into relationship with him, our job is to receive it. Just because of that being true doesn't mean that we still don't have like outworkings of that experience that are a part of our life. And we're going to jump ahead to verse 12 and kind of jump into a couple of verses here. This is Philippians 2, verse 12. And oh, here we go. Here comes that word again. Ready? Therefore, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Okay, I chose this passage on purpose because this is one of those passages that can trip us right up really quickly if we don't work through the alive method. So if you're trying to immediately apply it to your life, skip questions one, two, and three, and just go right to question four. What does it mean for me? You're like, I knew it. I knew I had to work on my salvation. And maybe you're like, I knew it. I knew that God was scary and that I'm supposed to have fear and trembling when I'm with God. So we've jumped so quickly that we haven't stopped to be like, okay, let's work through the passage. And before we get kind of wrapped up in what we think this means, let's work through the method and see if we have more to discover. So our very first question in the Alive Method is, what does it say? So I want to make sure that I can understand what it is saying. So first of all, I've got my first word, therefore. Whenever there's a therefore, I know that, okay, whatever happened before this is really important. And so I do a quick look back and I'm like, okay, the therefore is connected to this beautiful, beautiful poetic passage, verses 6 through 11, about Jesus Christ. And it's all about the work of Jesus Christ and like the cosmic story of Jesus Christ, who here, I'll just give you a few little pieces of it, who being in very nature was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And it goes on and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross Here comes that word again, therefore, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I just couldn't stop. I had to read you the whole thing. Like, where am I going to cut it off? It's so amazing. So that's happening in the therefore that we're in in verse 12 is this like this beautiful kind of description of the work and nature of Jesus Christ has been given to us. And Paul is going to connect that. He's saying, hey, because of that, 
because of who Jesus Christ is, because of our access to Jesus Christ, because of our access to our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, that is the reason that you are now going to do this next piece. So it says, therefore, my dear friends, so we've got a term of affection. So before we get too worked up about the fear and trembling section coming up, remember, Paul says this with a tone of affection. So it would be good for you to read it in your head with a tone of affection, not like condemnation, not like, hey, get it together or else. It's like, my dear friends, you've been obeying. Like you've already been obeying. You did it when I was there and you're doing it when I'm not there. And because of that, because of all this stuff going on, I want you to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That word continue, I would pay attention to in this first question, what does it say? Because that implies that they're already doing it. Like, this is not a condemnation. This is an encouragement. He's saying, hey, because of who you are, because of what I know about you, everything that you can read in chapter one, everything you can read in chapter two, he's just saying, keep on going. Keep on going. Keep doing what you're doing. And for me, this fear and trembling, I'm like, hmm, what does fear and trembling mean? If I had more time, I might do a little bit of a word study. But what we, what I can find in my study notes, because remember I said, a study Bible is your best friend, and you can get a little bit of what you need out of a study Bible to kind of just make this connection. Remember, we're not, we're not, I, I mean, I love spending time in God's word, but we all have lives to live. You've got to go do what you've got to do. So this is more like a, a morning devotion time, a 15 minute, 20 minute time with God. So I'm going to use my study notes. I'm like, okay, what does fear and trembling mean? Because this is a really fearful time in the world. This is a very anxious time. I need to understand, am I supposed to be fearful and anxious with God. And this is what my study note says, not because of doubt or anxiety. Thank you, study notes. Rather, the reference is to an active reverence and a singleness of purpose in response to God's grace. Oh, that is so good. Like it is fear and trembling is an active reverence and this singleness of purpose in response to God's grace. It's a priority issue. It's about saying that this fear and trembling, like the idea of your salvation, continuing to do what you're doing is about a priority issue. Like it's a singleness of purpose. It is the most important thing you can do when you prioritize this working out of your salvation, the outworking of this work of God in your life. When you prioritize that, things fall into alignment the way that they're meant to. And this is his encouragement that you will do this. And it actually backs it up to make sure that we don't get confused about what this means that I've got to prove myself and I've got to follow the rules. I got to do it all right. If you're hearing that in your mind, remember, this is already an encouragement. It's already happening. And then in verse 13, he says, because it's actually God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So we've got this mystery going on. We have this partnership going on where on the one hand, Paul is telling these believers, you need to continue to do what you're doing, continue to obey, continue to work out the, the fruit of God's grace in your life. But oh, by the way, it's God who's working in you. So the, the, the part of you that's drawn to the goodness and holiness of God is God in you. It's like, the magnet of God is drawn to the holiness of God. He's drawing you toward that. So you're not on your own. You're not being asked to perform or to perfect or to, to, to strive or to prove who you are in Christ. You're just living into who you already are in Christ. And there is some holy work that we do in order to do that. So 
we're going to stop there and say, okay, what does it say? We understand that's what it's saying. Now, I still have questions about the passage that I'm going to start to explore. And for me, the big hinge question is this, therefore, like this whole idea of working out your salvation, we're going to see what that is when we make the connection between what Paul said beforehand and what Paul says after. So I should be asking myself, okay, what does it mean to work out my salvation? If that's what this passage is about, is there specific instruction for like what that would look like? And yes, actually, right after this passage, there's very specific instructions. And right before this passage, there's very specific instructions. So because I like lists and I want to understand the chapter, I'm going to find, I'm going to underline in my Bible, or I'm going to write a list of the commands in this chapter that I think are related to this idea of working out my salvation. Like, I want to see the fruit of my salvation. How am I tending the soil? So God's the one who's planted the seeds, but now that I'm going to cultivate the soil so that those seeds can grow, right? That's what I'm doing. So what would those things look like? And like, you don't have to go very far because in verse 14, this doesn't take much interpretation. (laughs) Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So I'm like, okay, I'm already convicted. I guess I have something to work on today. So I'm going to start making a list. So I'm like, okay, verse 14, what does it look like to work out my salvation? Well, I'm going to strive to do everything without grumbling or arguing. And then a little bit further along in verse 16, it says, hold firmly to the word of life. So I might make a little note. I might want to spend time on that tomorrow in my Bible study, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold firmly to the word of life. Um, I'm going to look now back and I'm going to go up to the beginning of the chapter and all the way up in verse two, I'm going to see that it says, have, have, be like-minded So I'm like, be like-minded with who? And I'm like, okay, this is about the believers, so be like-minded with the church. Have the same love. Be one in spirit. Be of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, okay? Value others above yourselves. Look to the interests of others. I mean, you've got a very practical list. Most of us don't need more than that. Like the principles in this particular part of the passage, what we're looking at today, the principles are right there for the taking. Now, we do want to ask ourselves, is there anything different about today that would make any of these like obsolete or not apply? And so in question two, what is it? What's the backstory? We want to ask that question. We're like, okay, what's the backstory here? Does all of this stuff still apply? And as we look at these things that are a part of working out your salvation, what you may notice, what I try to look for is like, are these all similar? Do they all have connective elements? And as I look at it, I'm like, well, to me, the connective element I see between all of these things is these are these are character issues. This is like fundamental like the way you move through the world. It's not, for instance, about orderly worship that we find in 1 Corinthians that talks about women having their head covered. If if women having their head covered was in this list, I'd be like, well, that's the one outlier. That's not the same as the others because all of these other things that we just listed out, they are all character issues. They're all about unity and humility. They're about the way that I operate in the world and in my relationships. It's about the way that I make decisions and about what I prioritize. That's all character issues. So I'm like, okay, if it's a character issue, humanity hasn't changed. Like We're still human beings. They were human beings then. We're human beings now. So I'm like, all right. So if I go to what does it mean, I'm like, okay, the principles here are very clear. The principle here is that I have a responsibility to the outworking of my salvation. I have a responsibility to the outworking of my salvation. Do I think that was true about what Paul was saying then? Yes. Do I think that's true about what Paul's saying now? Yes, I think that's true. And in fact, there are specific 
qualifications about what that outworking of my salvation will look like. And I have a list of those. So it's pretty easy now to go from what does it mean to what does it mean for me? And what does it mean for me is where I really want to make sure I'm really connecting my heart to the passage. I'm really connecting my mind and my heart to my heavenly father. And so I may look at this list and think, what stands out to me right now as a place of encouragement? Where do I think, wow, I've grown in that area. Like I see that my personal experience of the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed me in this area. And then I might ask the question, question, where am I still growing? What am I convicted about today? When I look at this list of things, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, uh, value others above yourselves, look to the interests of others, do everything without grumbling or arguing. I'm going to look to one of those and say, okay, what am I being convicted about in this passage that I can turn to God and say, God, I want to partner with you in what you're bringing about in my life right now. And I want to walk with you today in this one particular aspect of the outworking of my salvation that I feel convicted about. And I'm asking you to give me the strength to lean in and to change my ways. So you don't have to do it alone. And you don't have to do it to prove yourself to God. We already covered that. That's not what this is about. But we have an opportunity to partner with the Spirit about the way that God might be building us up and, and strengthening and deepening the character of ourselves, of, of what God's doing in us. It's the same for the church at Philippi as it is for us today. So I would invite you to that question. I would invite you right now, as you finish this podcast, not to just rush ahead into your life, but to stop again and say, okay, what did I hear in that passage, that is that place of encouragement. And what did I hear in that passage that is a place of conviction? Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Take it with you. Bring it into your awareness uh, about the ways that perhaps you have blind spots in your life that God might be um, inviting you to grace, to receive his forgiveness, but also to repent. And to repent means to change. And so as you bring that awareness up about a place where you might have selfish ambition or a place where you continue to grumble and argue that you could find, okay, God is calling me to a new level of depth and holiness with him. And I want to step into that level. That is what it means to continue to work out your salvation. Thank you guys for spending this few minutes with me. I'm so excited to move through and go on in Philippians 3. And um, I look forward to it. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. I'm Don Hawkins inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.